Hi, everybody. The Expats is on a bit of a hiatus as we collect more interviews and plan more shows. But I didn't want to leave you too long without any new content. So I'm bringing you the audio from a panel discussion I hosted at Northwest Fest's Lunch Pod series in May. Formerly known as the Global Visions Film Festival, Northwest Fest is Canada's longest-running non-fiction film festival, bringing the best in non-fiction filmmaking, local music, and art of all kinds to Edmonton audiences. For the Lunch Pod series, I invited my CJSR radio co-host Samantha Power and my Nerd Night Edmonton co-organizer Lauren Albrecht to talk podcast tech in front of a live audience at the Needle Vinyl Tavern in Edmonton, Alberta. Here's the audio recording of that panel discussion. Thanks, Fonda. Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> Good. Excellent. Uh, my name is Adam Rosenhardt. I'm the host of the Expats podcast. It is a show all about Canadians living abroad. Uh, and I'm joined on stage today by two fantastic people. Wonderful. Amazing. It's the best. You won't even believe it. <laughs> Lauren Albrecht is actually a PhD student right now at the University of Alberta. Uh, what are you studying, Lauren? I'm studying pediatrics and knowledge translation. Okay, so what does that mean? Who knows at this point? Uh, you're still studying it, right? <laughs> I'm still studying it. You can tell I'm in the third year lull, where oh. I'm like, I really don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> She's in denial about her PhD-ness. Um, and Lauren, you were also uh, an intern recently at CBC Radio, is that correct? That is a fact, And yes. so what was involved in that little, uh, little uh, event in your life? Well, Alberta Innovates uh, sponsors scientists to uh, go and learn about radio to help promote science reporting and journalism, but also to teach us how to better communicate what we do, which maybe I've failed at already. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a really great experience, and I kind of fell in love with radio. Right on. Yeah, so here we are. Cool. Well, so Lauren Albrecht, everybody, put your hands together. And also... In a moment, I'll make you put your hands together for the wonderful Samantha Power. Uh, Sam and I are, Sam is, no, I'm Sam's co-host <laughs> on a morning show we do together on CJSR every Wednesday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. called All Intensive Purposes. Uh, how did we even come up with that name, Sam? It's a joke. Yeah, I right? guess. <laughs> Everyone finds that funny. You know it's wrong, right? All Intensive Purposes, it's, it's incorrect. The idiom is, is wrong. Yeah. Now I don't you, think it translates on radio as well yeah, as we would have liked it Yeah, everyone's to. like, no, you're saying it wrong. So yeah. uh, you've been involved in the media for a long time now, um, and you, I guess you kind of came back to CJSR. So tell us a little bit about your experience in radio. Uh, well, I started at CJSR um, a long time ago, <laughs> <laughs> over a decade ago, as a, as a news volunteer because I wanted to do some reporting and, and uh, understand how to do that. Um, and then I became the news director there, and then the news editor at View Weekly, and then I went on to do my master's in journalism at Carleton, um, and now I'm a freelancer. Sweet. Yeah. Okay. 
And CJSR again. And back at CJSR because I can't get away from radio. It's fun, right? I love radio. Yeah, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that I get to work with these two. Lauren is my, uh, my co-organizer for Nerd Night Edmonton, or rather, I am hers, for she does most of the work. As a white male, I just sit there and things happen. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, not true. <laughs> Lauren makes it happen. Um, but we've all variously been involved in podcasting over the last few years. Uh, most recently, Lauren and I are trying to work on a project with CBC that we can't say anything about except that we're working on a project with CBC. And Sam and I have been musing and, uh, and is trying to develop a, a new podcast that's based on Star Trek that will maybe be coming out in the next six months, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think we said that six months ago. Yes, I knew, I knew that some people yeah. would really enjoy that. We may, whoever applauded loudly will probably be a guest on the show. Um, but today, <laughs> today what we want to talk about is some of the technical ins and outs of developing a podcast, uh, from you know, structuring a show to making sure that the, the sound that you're developing is the way you want it to be and the way that uh, your listeners want it to be as well. So <clears throat> the place that I wanted to start is, uh, is to get into maybe some of the podcasts that you guys listen to and from a technical perspective, what it is that you like about those podcasts. Lauren, let's start with you. I have a huge roster of podcasts that I listen to. And in fact, this morning I've already listened to four, but that, that was a bit of homework as well for today. Um, but I was really, th I was thinking about this a lot on my LRT trip here, and I love the Savage Lovecast. That was the podcast that got me into podcasts, and I religiously listened to Dan Savage's Sex Advice, but it drives me crazy that his editing is so horrible. Really? It really does, yeah, that you can hear him stop and restart, you can hear him kind of fumble over his words, like, I want that to be tight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I, I was having some frustration thinking about that as I was listening to it on my way here. So does it sound like uh, that Dan Savage is kind of just recording live to tape and not doing any editing at all? Well, I know, like, so in the show today, he actually talked about how they listen to the calls, they talk as a group, and then they begin recording. And it's clear that they do multiple takes, because sometimes in the episode you hear the multiple takes oh, that's one after good. another. Oh. So I don't know if it's just the fact of trying to churn out one hour and a half episode a week uh, that cuts back on their time editing, or if this is sort of the style they're going for, a bit loose off the hip, which is kind of his style. Um, but yeah, as a listener, that, that's something I would love them to fix. Okay. One more podcast that you listen to that you really like. Uh, currently, I'm listening to a new one. It's called Lore. Um, and they, they talk about various folklore. Uh, and it's one guy and very spooky music. And I'm enraptured. Oh, good. Yeah. So he does a really good job, considering it's just his voice that you're listening to, to keep you engaged. Wow. That, that is a huge challenge, actually. How about you, Sam? What uh, podcasts are you listening to these days? And uh, what do you think of them from a technical perspective? Well, I actually went back to the very first podcast um, that got me into podcasting, which is Mark Maron's WTF. And what got me into that is that he is sort of a stream of consciousness guy, and his interviewing style is something that I really appreciate and something that I feel I was trying to do at CJSR, long-form interviews. Um, so his ability to carry on a conversation for an hour and make it engaging and interesting is fantastic. And he also has a producer who I'm sure cuts out stuff that should not be there. Um, and uh, even his openings 
um, as you were saying, the stops and starts, Marin is very much able to just like integrate his stream of consciousness with his advertising with back to his stream of consciousness. Wow, that's a skill. It's a real skill. Um, I'll say my favorite podcast right now is <laughs> The Greatest Generation, which is the Star Trek The Next Generation podcast um, that I got Adam onto. <laughs> I'm, I'm addicted to it, yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is so well done, and I think it's really well done the things that bother me about podcasts is rambling. I, I, I feel like people, because they have control, there's no editor, sometimes there's no external uh, producer, um, there's no time constraints, so people can just talk as long as they want to. Um, and I'm very afraid of those podcasts. Um, <laughs> but the two, these two guys, um, they have a good structure to their podcast, so it's an analysis of the episode, um, and then they decide if they liked or disliked it, and then they, <laughs> then they have something called a drunk Shimoda, and then they, and, and they in, integrated within that is their advertising and a preview for next week. So it's an hour, but it's really well-structured. And then the, the, the two guys are um, a video editor and a filmmaker. Yeah. So they know what they're doing. Like, they edit it very well, their drops are very well placed, and their sound quality is great. I never have a problem listening or feeling uncomfortable watching it or listening to that show because of some editing or production problem. It, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it, it feels like it, it's the kind where a couple of dudes sit down, turn on a microphone and ramble, but it's, it is actually uh, very well structured. I think. Yeah, super well structured, and again, like very well edited. I'm sure they have referenced parts that they've taken out sometimes, and it's it's well done when they sometimes they go on like Crimson Tide tangents for whatever reason, and they'll just they edit that out. So they're very aware of when they're going too far with some on a tangent, or they're very capable of of keeping it to an hour. Yeah, and I agree. I think it is a function of them having experience editing stuff. Yeah. Because there, there is a tendency, I think, is especially among novice podcasters, to want to just keep it all in there for a couple reasons. One, you might be too precious about your content, and that happens in any creative oeuvre, I would argue. Uh, and two, um, it's laziness. <laughs> it's actually just laziness. I would say, too, it's a lot of work to create the content. And so True. you feel like, well, I did the work. I don't want to, to cut it out. And so there's that compulsion that you really have to fight against. Yeah, definitely. By contrast, there's a, a podcast on the same network called The, the Flophouse. And it's three guys analyzing bad movies. And it goes on for almost two hours sometimes. They don't edit anything. They're just rambling. Uh, it is on my list of like the last podcast I will listen to but you're in, still my, a, in my rotation. You're still a subscriber, though. Uh, like, sure. OK. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that Mark is played is a function you use a lot <laughs> yeah. for that particular one. Um, uh, that's really interesting. I, you know, it's funny because uh, we were just uh, a few of us in this room. We're at a podcasting conference in Calgary this past weekend. And I used to be really bullish about and, and militant about the length of time a podcast should be. For me personally, I don't really like to listen to anything for more than half an hour unless it's exceptional. But there was a guy there, a fellow by the name of Brock Armstrong, who edits podcasts out of the west coast of Canada. Um, and he's a marathon trainer. So he, he works on a few podcasts about marathons. Well, wouldn't you know it, marathoners like podcasts to be about three to five hours long, right? Because they're just running around. 
They need something to Just listen to. Just running around. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's that easy, folks. If you're thinking of marathoning, it's that easy. So um, I used to be, like, really militant about, about length of time a podcast should be, but um, I'm, I'm sort of changing my tune on that. I think it maybe depends on the audience, but I'd be curious to know your guys' thoughts. Like, what's the threshold for you? What do you think is acceptable to listeners? I feel like this is a pointed question because we've had this debate recently in our undisclosed CBC project. But I, I think podcast length really depends on a few things. I think it depends on your audience, but also what are you trying to do? Like I love podcasts that have multiple voices, that take you to multiple locations. That would be really hard to do without assaulting the listener in 15 minutes. So I kind of like it that it's you know 45 minutes to an hour. That's my sweet spot. But again, I love podcasts uh, like Lore that are sweet and short to the point, and, and I couldn't listen to one guy talk for more than 15 minutes, so I'm glad that his are really short. So it kind of depends, and, it, and as, the, as a listener, it depends too what I'm doing. Um, like I love on my commute, but that's a certain length, so I want podcasts that fit my commute length. I also love to listen to them while I'm cleaning, and that could go on for hours, so maybe that's where I get a marathon podcast in. <laughs> Yeah, that's how you're going to start to run that marathon. What about you, Sam? Like the podcast? Um, I, th I would think about it, thinking about it from a producer's standpoint. I mean, I started in radio reporting where your reports are like two minutes long if you're lucky. So if you can understand your story in two minutes and fit it in two minutes, I, I couldn't understand then creating something that would be half an hour long. But... Um, I think you, it, de it depends on structure and mandate. So if you have a structure that, that works um, for half an hour, then, then go for it and plan out how that half an hour works. Um, I, that would be my, my biggest like, thing, is, is if you're thinking about your, your structure, start at half an hour and see where your, your story fits and how your intros go and, and all, like where your structure falls. Well, it's interesting you would say structure because, you know, again, if, if you're not, uh, if you don't have a deliberate vision for what you're trying to do and you're just turning on a microphone, it's easy to uh, get carried away and not sort of wrangle yourself uh, into creating some kind of structure. So how would you go about creating a structure for a show? Like, what are the things that you guys think about, whether it's radio or podcasting, to, to make that work? Oh, my. I <laughs> know it's a big question. <laughs> That's huge. I mean, I think the thing I've learned as a novice producer is that uh, pre-interviews are so important because they help you shape that structure. So if you're going to have a guest on, it's great that you've built that rapport. It's great that you understand what they want to say, and then you can help shape the story that you want to tell. So that has been a really big ingredient, I guess, in, cr in learning how to create structure for me. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, and what elements you want to include. Um, so how many people do you, you plan on talking to who have good things to say? Um, and then where do you want to go and what, what sound elements do you want to include? That type of thing would, would play into it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I really appreciate, like I've, I'm of two minds. I really love like 99% Invisible. It's a great podcast all about design. And the introduction, like the structure of it is, this is 99% invisible, I'm Roman Mars, and then the story starts. Whereas other shows, like if you think about something like Under the Influence on CBC, which is Terry O'Reilly's marketing podcast, there's a big lead in. He tells sort of a story in five parts, and the first part of it 
doesn't necessarily have a direct link to the main content within the story. So, I mean, you could do it any way you want it, I suppose. Again, it depends on who your audience is. So, when you're thinking about the kind of show you want to develop, how do you guys think about audiences? Do you think, I'm going to talk to, you know, uh, Canadians between the ages of 18 and 25 about buying mortgages. Like, how, how do you go about, how do you even decide on your audience? I know these are really hard questions. Well, this might sound shitty, but I don't really think about my audience. <laughs> I was going to say that shitty. too. <laughs> okay, okay. To even, like, when I think about the more, um, like, jobs I've had, working in television um, or radio, I sort of know who my audience is. Like, my audience at CJSR is a younger demographic, kind of into the alternative scene, that sort of thing. So I'm sort of thinking about story ideas and topics to bring that would fit that audience. But when I worked at, say, CTV, like that's a very different audience and mandate that I would be planning a story for. Um, when I'm doing my own projects, it's like I look at what is missing from the, the realm of politics and, and conversation. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Lauren? I guess, yeah, similarly, I, I use myself as the audience, I guess, and if I feel intrigued and interested in the question or the story. Um, but also, too, I really like podcasts that tell a story in 360 degrees, and I kind of feel like in that way, you attract all sorts of people that maybe you wouldn't have thought about when you were initially planning the podcast. So I, I always try to make that part of the mission of what, what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a tough question, and I think, like, you can make a bunch of assumptions starting out who your audience might be. When I, uh, when Karen Unland, who is uh, the, the matron of podcasting in Edmonton, um, forced me to do the expats, because she truly encouraged me to get it started, I thought I'd mostly be talking to Canadians. But about 30% of the expats' audience comes from the United States. Now, that, those may be Canadians living in the United States listening to the show, but I know that a lot of my guests have brought, um, have, have gotten their friends into listening to the show, so I had really no idea who I was talking to or what the hell I was doing when I started it. Well, and in some ways, there's really not a way to know that when you start out um, and who's going to attach themselves to those ideas. Like Again, using I use Marin as an example because he's so kind of established and his his trajectory is so interesting because he started really a, a podcast for comedians, a, com a comedian talking to other comedians about comedy and the process of comedy and the lifestyle of comedy. And now he has like everyone on that show. He had Barack Obama on yeah, the show. So in like, his garage. Like yeah. He records these in his garage. So you can imagine like a row of Secret Service cars out front while he's in his garage talking to the President of the United States. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It's, there's no way he could have known that starting out. But what he did know is that he had a voice and a perspective and saw something that wasn't in, in the media realm that and needed to, he felt needed to be said. So I feel like that's really the only thing you can know like we're we're all creative intelligent people and we have a perspective and that's what we bring to creating a, something well and i think too one thing I, I learned through cbc and maybe this is a trade secret is that they kind of force you to think about your concept and also d develop pillars and so if you're always taking your content and going back to making sure you're achieving those pillars then i, f I feel like you're you're shaping something that people understand and they'll be attracted to 
And if you're consistent, then your audience will consistently come to that. Yeah, I mean, consistency is pretty important, I think, for, for maintaining an audience. Um, and I'm really bad at this, you know, with my show. I sometimes take breaks and don't tell anyone about it. But I assume, because the, the, my listeners are subscribed, that they'll come back. When you guys notice that a podcast hasn't published in a while or consistently, how do you, do you react to that in any way at all? I feel bummed. You feel bummed. It messes with my rotation. It really annoys me. Because it's become part of your routine, <laughs> yes. right? So it's important to, uh, to, as creators, to maintain that. Well, I mean, well, part of the reason I stopped listening to Marin is he switched networks and, or, oh. or distributors or something, and I just like lost him for a while. And I forgot. You, you had to resubscribe? Yeah, you had to sign on to a whole new system. What? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. I was a subscriber, and then, my, and then he switched subscriber systems. A and new I, feed. I lost it. Yeah. it was a new feed. So I, I, I don't like, I'll lose podcasts for a while, but I will go back to them. I'm, I'm not, I won't abandon them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not a fair weather podcasting <laughs> fan. <laughs> But yeah, no, like I, I really fell in love with this podcast, Heavyweight. It's a Gimlet uh, show, and they stopped, I guess, their season in November, and I haven't heard from them since. And yeah, I'm, I'm annoyed. I want them back. I liked it. Yeah, I'm the same. Like I'll go through my list of subscriptions every now and then, and I'll see uh, some cover art that I'm like, hey. Like, I, I don't know if anyone listened, ever listened to the show Limetown. They did, uh, it's a fictional podcast about this experimental community developed by the military or something like that. And it's um, a journalist going back and trying to piece together what the hell happened there. They did one season, and it was really good. And the, the last episode was like this big reveal, and they're like, we'll be back. Well, it's like a year later, and where's Limetown? So, but I, I think that is something to think about when you're thinking about creating your podcast, is what, what is sustainable for you on a production basis? Because... Like the Greatest Generation podcast, they put out two podcasts a week. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. Is, and it's a, a well-edited, like produced podcast. I can't imagine how much time they put into that. And these dudes have jobs. They have too. jobs, like real jobs. Um, so <laughs> when you, so when you're thinking about like how much editing am I going to put into this podcast? How much work is it going to be to track down my interviews? Um, and what kind of production value am I putting into it? That all has to go into your timeline in terms of when you want to put out your podcast. I think all that being said, too, there is a, a really soft spot in my heart for those podcasts that you can just crush out, like, all the episodes in a weekend, and you've kind of had this, like, mad, torrid love affair with them, and then they're done. <laughs> like S-Town or even Serial. Yeah. Uh, and I really enjoy that, too. So I kind of want the regulars, and I want them to be regular, but I want these surprising, awesome, really short um, series podcasts, too. Yeah, inside of, uh, I think, one month, S-Town achieved 40 million downloads, which is astonishing. I think that actually might be a record breaker. Now, we've talked a lot about uh, structure. We've talked a little bit about uh, technology and, and the quality of sound. I'm wondering, from your guys' perspective, What's the threshold for accepting shitty sound if the content's really good? Is there anything you've listened to that, that is like that? And if so, how have you managed to stick with it without losing your mind? The content has to be really good. Like exceptionally good. Yeah, like it's got to be a really good interview or something I'm not hearing anywhere else. I will abandon 
a podcast if it doesn't sound good. I tried to, I tried to start another Star Trek, like listen to another Star Trek podcast, but yeah, but the one's not enough, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, which one? Uh, it's called I Just Want to Talk About Star Trek. Which is kind of like that's going to be your epitaph. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the audio quality on it was so bad, and. Um, he also lacked a little bit of structure with his his formatting, so so I I lost him pretty quickly. I, I it's still there. Like I might go back and listen to a couple, but I won't listen to like um, differences between mic levels or you can tell it's being recorded over Skype or whatever. Like any sort of audio problems, I won't I won't stick with too often. I know, it's so hard. So again, back to the Savage Lovecast, and I really do love Dan Savage, so this is hard for me to say. <laughs> um, but because it's a call-in show where people call in about their sex life, people often call from closets or in their car, like in really weird situations when they're trying to be quiet, and so the sound can be really assaulting. But it, I'm so interested and titillated by their question, I don't mind. And in the production of our super secret CBC project, we, we did a lot of traveling to different locations. So we recorded outside, we recorded in a swingers club. Um, and I, now I understand the challenge of sound. I mean, you wanna go to these places, you wanna take people to interesting places, but you have to think about so many things, especially if you're gonna be editing, that I guess now I'm, I'm a little more forgiving around sound quality. Yeah, actually that's an interesting perspective because I think that my mind has changed on that too, whereas before I would not suffer something that I felt was low quality. Now, if the content's good and I, I feel like they're trying. I, I won't because. You're <laughs> <laughs> the hard ass. We're, not gonna, we're, ne we're never gonna agree on this. No, but there's, there's ways you can learn how to make good audio content um, with, with challenging um, places uh, and closets and bars and stuff like that. You can figure out how to do it. Yeah. So. We have to try harder. Not, <laughs> not super. I like. Uh, I mean, for pe if people are interested, there's one website I always go to for audio advice, and that's transom.org. Transom. Yeah. Okay. org, and they um, they have existed for over a decade now because I used them when I was at CJSR. But they've really sort of positioned themselves more as a. They initially they were like radio broadcast quality type of reviews and and providing that type of training and stuff. But they're, they've positioned their website to really be like, how do independent producers create podcasts? And they have advice on like, which audio software is best for you. They've tested everything. They've priced everything out. Um, and they have advice on setting up your own sound studio in your home that doesn't cost a bajillion dollars. Like, it, it's a great website. There are actually really good resources, uh, like physical resources that you can buy that you can develop good sound with. So when I started doing, so I, I used to have a show starting in 2009 called The Unknown Studio. It was a podcast about people in Edmonton doing interesting things. And I think I had you both on that show. Yeah. Yeah, because they're awesome. And so um, when I, when I broke, my partner and I, the fortunate thing was that he worked, he works at 6.30 Chet. So on the weekend, we would use their studios when no one else was, and the sound quality was excellent, sort of, we didn't really, one of the things, one of the mistakes we made was we laid uh, a sound bed down under the track, under the talking track, where we would be recording live from an unknown location, 
uh, every episode. So you'd get this repetitive sound bed. And uh, one of our listeners actually emailed us and said that we nearly killed him. <laughs> because on the drive from uh, Saskatoon to Edmonton, the sound bed made him so sleepy that he, <laughs> he dozed off and like started going into the, uh, the shoulder of the highway. You definitely forget, like, I forgot how great it is to have access to CJSR's resources. <laughs> like, the studio there is great, and they have great equipment. And I totally recommend for anyone who's interested in getting involved in audio production stuff to check out CJSR, because it's accessible. They want you to help and volunteer and learn things. Yeah, actually, that's if you are thinking of getting into, into podcasting or audio production at all, definitely volunteer there, because they, they're all, they just want to teach you. And they've got really great quality studios. But if that doesn't work for you, I suggest you look up um, on, on something like Amazon. You can find studios out of the box that have like a little receiver um, or a little mixer, sorry, a microphone, a stand that'll plug into a laptop or a computer. And you can actually get pretty good sound out of that stuff. Um, although, you know, now having done two radio gigs, one at CJSR and one at CBC, I feel like we're spoiled. It's very spoiled. It's tough to compare, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're never, you probably never will get studio quality. But in Edmonton, there are other places you can go. I know that some people in this room have used the makerspace at the EPL, which I, correct me if I'm wrong, Karen, is it gone now that they've kind of started to read? There's one studio at Enterprise. There's one studio at Enterprise Square that's still accessible, so uh, you do have to book those, I believe. But um, the other good news is that I'm talking to the fellas at OilersNation.com about creating a podcast studio uh, somewhere downtown. We're still trying to find a spot and all the tech, but it would be like rentable for a nominal fee. So, outstanding sound quality can be yours for the low, low price of whatever I decide. Seamless advertising promo yeah. right yeah. there. I mean, we, I've been talking to these guys for like a year about it, so it's kind of like our Star Trek podcast. It's happening. It's going to happen. It's going to be amazing. Um, uh, Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just—I uh, listened to another podcast called "Call Your Girlfriend," which is, um, yeah, uh, and they—I think three weeks ago did a did a like inside look at their podcast and how it developed and be essentially became an independent business, um, but also talked about some of the production because they have a producer. Um, who and they also then started to get someone who created music for them and paid this woman to make their own music and interstitials throughout the show. So it's interesting to listen to a podcast as it develops. Maybe you don't have all those pieces in place right away, but to think about how you want to evolve into that type of production. That's cool. Now, Lauren, when you uh, pitched the concept that we're not talking about to CBC, <laughs> how did you go from idea to sort of planning it out technically and, and from a content perspective? I'm curious about that. Yeah, so I had this idea, and I had been working at CBC, so I kind of knew the right people to talk to. But it took, um, I guess, a lot of thinking, a bit of beer, and, and a few meetings to really sell them on the idea. And then from there, they did require quite a bit of, I guess, background work. Like, what would the episodes look like? What are your pillars? Who's your audience? Who are the hosts? Why are they hosts? Like, they really wanted you to think through, I guess, all the angles. Uh, but it moved pretty quickly from that kind of exploratory work to actually creating pilots. And that's due in large part to, I guess, that uh, want, CBC wanting to move into the, the podcasting realm and having a senior producer who 
was passionate and excited about the project because she's the one that made that all happen. Yeah, I mean, we are definitely spoiled because we have that resource. You know, I, I felt a lot like um, I would show up in studio, you guys had done all the pre-interviews, and I just had to talk into a microphone. So, I mean, very few podcasters are going to have a producer that's going to help guide them. So we were very fortunate in that. But um, one, of, one of the interesting things about people that I'm seeing who are, who are like, I want to develop a podcast, where do I start? What advice would you give to those people? I have an idea of some of the stuff I read, but I'm curious to know your perspective. Where do you start with the idea? I mean, you brought it to someone, Lauren. Sam, what would your approach be, do you think? Um, I mean, it's the same when I approach any story. What, what is the idea? Um, I would start just by crafting sort of what, what do you want to say and formulate that in, say, 300 words and then see where that goes from there. Um, I draw out a structure for any project I'm going to write or produce so that it's just what is this story, who are the voices, um, and see where it sort of goes from there. Then like what is, what's the timeline around that and, and what episodes would I produce after that. If you're starting out and you think you have an idea, I highly recommend thinking about five other related ideas that you would then continue <laughs> to produce. Because yeah. if you can't get beyond five or ten sort of episodes, I, I don't know, I'm not sure what, what well, you would do. You call it S-Town, and uh, <laughs> you release it all at once. Yeah, and then which you, is fine. That's a totally you, legitimate yeah, project. You break yeah. records, yeah. I guess. That, it's that easy, everybody. Well, actually, one of the interesting uh, pieces of advice that I come across a lot because I follow a lot of uh, subreddits on podcasting, is just try it. Like, you, you may not release the thing that you produce initially, but, you know, if, if all you've got is a laptop with a shitty little microphone in it, turn it on, try it out, ask a, a couple of friends to, if, they, if they would suffer and listen to your show, and, and then get feedback from people, because it'll never get done unless you actually take that first step and it's intimidating, right? Because all the, the Mark Marins of the world and, the, and the, uh, all the big podcasters like Sarah Koenig from Serial and S-Town, they've got all the kit, right? They've got, a, they've got studios, microphones, researchers. And actually, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges I find is like, you have an idea of how to shape the story, but you want to come across as credible. So how much time should you pour into research? Like, what... Where does the law of diminishing returns kick in for that sort of thing? Well, I mean, this is where something like being involved in Nerd Night Edmonton really helps because we have the context, we know them, you know, we, we trust them. So the research was minimized. But I think that you can't undersell the importance of research. You have to know what you're talking about and that who you're talking to and who's helping you tell the story can tell it in a way that makes sense to people and that people trust. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? What... To what extent do you conduct research? When do you know to turn that part off and start making the show? I never turn that part off. Like <laughs> one of the best benefits I got from journalism was like you have you have deadlines and you have to go to production. So I have a hard time turning off my research brain. But uh, so I, I can't give good advice on that. So even after you've the microphone's been turned on. You and and you finish recording whatever. You may go back and keep doing more research and have to change things. No, no, no. I would never do that. You would never change things? <laughs> no, no. It's going oh. out. It's done. Okay. Yeah. 
So you, it's you... like I think I like to think of it the way they talk about as Tina Fey talks about Saturday Night Live is like Saturday is you're done the sketch as much as you want to go back and change that sketch it's done it's over and you have to go to air. Yeah, it's good advice. Yeah, it's really good advice. Um, so what set other... deadlines, I guess, is my advice. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's really important. If you're going to set a schedule for yourself to release the show, you have to obviously set deadlines for when that when the research work finishes. I suppose. Um, What's next for you guys in podcasting? Like, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the thing we might do. <laughs> Lauren, we've hinted at a thing that might happen with CBC. And we'll, we, can, we can talk about that in a little bit. But, but what, do you, what do you think you want to do next in podcasting, if anything? I want to make all the podcasts. Do you really? Uh, screw academics. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's parents are in the audience, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure they're heartened to hear that. So you, you caught a bug. I did. I caught a bug. And, you know, I think there is a, a market for um, scientists who can communicate to the public. So maybe that's where I need to find my niche. Yeah, and there are a lot of, there are, well, not a lot, but there are a few really great science podcasts out there, for sure. Oh, there's a ton, yes. Yeah. So what about you, Sam? Other than the thing we might do in six months, uh, are you thinking of uh, producing other podcasts? And actually, we should talk about the one that you're helping to produce right now. Oh, I'm just... Yeah, I'm just doing a little bit of work. No, no. Okay. I'm going to toot your horn for you. <laughs> Sam's helping to produce Canada Land for the next month. Just while it's in Edmonton. While Omar Moalam is hosting it. And yeah. you're doing a fantastic job. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, I, I actually would like to do more of that, is um, to help. I can't see myself creating my own podcast, because I think oh. I would get too perfectionist about it. But I would love to help produce other people's podcasts. So I would love to use my radio skills and um, the investment I made in, in, in that experience to help other people create good podcasts. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and you know, you've got not only the radio experience, but television experience as well, so. Oh, yeah. Lots to draw from. Yeah. So um, we'll give you guys a little bit of a sneak peek into what Lauren and I have been working on, uh, because I think, what the hell, let's do it. Sure, why not? So what, what, is the, what have we been doing, Lauren? So we've, we've worked on a pilot podcast, uh, tentatively titled, If CBC Will Let Us Keep It, Everything is Fucked. And I think it's the perfect podcast for 2017 because everything really <laughs> does feel fucked. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to explore what those things are and, and maybe why we are or aren't fucked. Yeah, major challenges facing humanity. And uh, Sam, do you, do you know enough about the, the concept that I've yelled at you about a little bit? To talk, talk about it? Okay, so um, Sam and I are very fond of Star Trek. In fact, if you listen to our show on CJSR every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m., you'll know that that is invariably all we wind up talking about. And uh, I've had this idea for a while because I'm a big fan of uh, NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is a news, pod news quiz podcast. And I love the format. And what I really want to do is uh, develop a show called Battle of the Trexes, where we invite a few guests on, and basically we just nerd out about Star Trek trivia. And uh, maybe at the end of the show, we'll decide which series is the best. And, the, and we actually sort of tested the concept at a live taping of The Unknown Studio uh, just over a year ago, I think. And it went pretty... I think it went great. It went pretty good. <laughs> yeah. The correct answer, uh, by the way, is that Enterprise is never the best Star Trek series. So there you have it. Um, I'd like to, yeah. <laughs> oh, good, good. You agree. <laughs> I, I don't know who could disagree. Anyone who disagrees with that is just. 
It's interesting uh, reading online about people debating the, the virtues and merits of the different series and people trying to defend the theme song of Enterprise, Ugh. which is like this awful pop song. It's just I'm embarrassed for those people. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> uh, but I would love to open the floor up to questions if anyone has anything they would like to ask. Uh, our panelists today, I will entertain just about anything. Or not. Oh, yes, Karen. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, thanks. That's this amazing. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's right. To what extent do you think upping the quality of podcasts increases the chances of somehow being able to monetize them? A lot. Yeah, yeah. Can you elaborate <laughs> on that? <laughs> to what extent? Tell uh, us more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like I don't I don't know if I can provide an example, but I think it's far more likely that you will attract the attention of a network um, and, and a distributor if you can demonstrate that you know what you're doing audio-wise um, and editing and production-wise. It's I, I can't see an advertiser being too interested in you if you can't um, pr produce good audio. Yeah, I agree. That makes a lot of sense, although I have no experience in monetizing the podcast. <laughs> well, one thing I will say is that, like, you know, I, I actually, my day job is actually working in advertising, and, and a lot of what clients are looking for is reaching as many people in the right sort of audience category as possible. So if you've got a shitty-sounding podcast, but you've got a massive audience that fits into a demographic that an advertiser is looking for, they'll probably suffer the terrible quality of the show, as long as the, the read on their podcast sounds good and they're reaching all the right people. Having said that, I think good quality audio creates credibility. Because there's this, this idea, whether it's bloggers or podcasters, that you're doing it in your parents' basement, right? And if you take the, the production quality part of it really seriously, um, then advertisers will probably take you more seriously as well. Well, and just to use, again, like the greatest generation as an example, like they did start out just on their own independently, two guys talking about Star Trek, but because they could, they were editors and knew what they were doing, I think it was far more likely that they attracted the attention of the Maximum Fun Network. Which they did almost immediately, right? Yeah, it was probably about 10 episodes yeah. in or so, yeah. Yeah, and just so you guys know, there's a few different podcast networks out there, but Maximum Fun also produces probably their most well-known one is uh, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, where John Hodgman settles disputes between weirdos. Yeah. It's actually pretty funny if you like John Hodgman. Any other questions? Yes, Dave. Oh. A little bit of slack. Uh, uh, okay. Um, thank you very much, guys. This was really interesting and really awesome, and you Thanks, guys are Dave. all great. Um, now, I, I had a series of questions I, I wrote down. You answered most of them, but I want to say before I, before I ask the question that I'm going to ask that you didn't answer, um, this is kind of terrifying. Um, autocorrect, so I, so I wrote a question, does content trump, trump quality? And autocorrect now capitalizes Trump. Oh, no. Oh. So, you know, we've now entered a, another weird dimension it's of this. It's a post-factual era. Yeah, exactly. So, so does content trump quality? Well, that, that, not in the Trump era. So. <laughs> anyway. Um, uh, but I still think that's a good question. So um, anyway, my question is, is I've been fiddling around with Audacity. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with that? Um, 
and I have I'm I'm I do a lot of writing, and I'm absolutely terrified about putting out a podcast uh, because it's I feels like it's like I listen to like a million podcasts, but it, but the idea of producing one, I just feel like a fish out of water. It feels so out of my so out of my own element. Um, but uh, I, so I was going to ask, what what programs did you like? What software did you guys use to start? Like, is Audacity a good place to start? Because it seems fairly, I mean, it's free, yeah. and it seems fairly simple to use. Um, like, what would you guys recommend in terms of someone who's just starting out? What do you uh, think? I I always recommend Audacity for people just starting out because it it gives people the basics of what they need to get that work done, um, but but it does have its limitations and it's a bit clunky and once you get used to just the idea of editing sound, I think it's advisable to move on to a different one. <laughs> do, you, do you have a specific recommendation about what you might move on to? I don't because I think it depends on what you want out of it um, and there are so many programs now um, that are becoming affordable that you can kind of choose what you want, what works best for you. Um, I. I was trained on Audition, and I like that one, I think, the best for myself, but it's on the higher pay end. Yeah, it's an Adobe product, so yeah. if you're a subscriber to Adobe's Creative Cloud, it's like part of that package. Lauren, do you have much experience with the software side of things? Uh, only Dalit, which is the, the system CBC uses. Apparently, the, it's Israeli. That's about all I know. The Israeli-built <laughs> audio system that, yeah. that the CBC uses. It, I don't know. It's perfect. It would be even better if it was like Soviet-era Russian, because that would really speak to the conservative narrative in this country, I think. If it's the sound guy, I could actually... In, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Reaper is a yeah. huge recommendation, very affordable, only $60. Uh, for the full license, and it's open source. It runs really smoothly, and it does what every other software does without costing uh, hundreds of dollars. So uh, I actually got the same recommendation from one of our techs at CBC. What I'm, my challenge with Reaper is I, I, I can't figure out how to use it. It's, it's not as easy to use <laughs> as Audacity. That would be a challenge. You know? <laughs> it's not as easy to use as Audacity, but if you move to any other recording software, there's always a, a huge learning curve, yeah. But it's the same learning curve as, as the same software you could buy for five, six hundred dollars. So yeah, absolutely. So cool. if you're willing to hump over that learning curve, Reaper is really affordable and works amazing. Sweet, great advice. Yeah, Audacity is a good start though. Like uh, it's uh, it'll give you the basics and just have f like have fun with it. Just edit stuff and play with all the features and figure out what you like and what doesn't work and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and by the way, Dave, uh, I do have an idea for a show that you're going to do. <laughs> I already have the title picked out. I know how long it's going to be. It's a, it's a politics podcast about Alberta. Dave, Dave Cornway is the writer of DaveBerta.ca, by the way, uh, political follower, uh, great commentary on, on politics in Alberta. Because it's about connecting uh, Edmonton and Calgary, we've got sorry, the tale of two cities in Alberta. I wanted to call it, <laughs> I wanted it to be a 15-minute weekly politics podcast called The Plus 15. Because that's what they call Pedways in Calgary for some fucking reason. Uh, yeah, that's my idea. Let's make it happen, man. Fire up that audacity shit and we'll get going. <laughs> but again, that website, transom.org, has a review for all of them, so... And just to give you some encouragement, less than a year ago, I knew nothing about any of this, and I was editing our pilot episodes and stuff. So you can do it. It's, it's fun, and it's exciting, and I really hope you do. Yeah. My, I, I use Audacity to record all my interviews with, uh, with expats living abroad, and then because I'm so 
I'm only familiar with vid video editing software. I use Adobe Premiere and get rid of all the video tracks and just drag audio around because oh I'm an God. idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's really stupid. So I actually need, uh, I need you to teach me about Reaper and I need you to teach me about Audition. So that's what we'll do. I think we've got time for one more question, if, if there is one. No? All right, well, you've been a wonderful crowd. I want to say thank you to Lauren Albrecht and Samantha Power for joining me. Give them a huge round of applause. Thank you. And a huge thank you to uh, Fonda and the folks at Northwest Fest. This Lunch Pod series is a fantastic idea, and I hope that it, uh, it comes back next year, because it was super fun. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. That concludes this episode of The Expats. Huge thanks to Fonda Mithrish, Gila Valley, The Needle Vinyl Tavern, Castria Communications and Media Solutions, and our delightful audience for joining us for the Lunch Pod series. And thanks especially to my guests, Lauren Albrecht and Samantha Power. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. You can find the Expats on Twitter at Expats Podcast and on Facebook by searching Expats Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the Expats on the iTunes Music Store, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And make sure you leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch up in a couple of weeks.